Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. As a true football fan, you already know every weekend our favorite Gridiron Warriors put their skills to the test. So why aren't you doing the same? MyBookie is the premier place to bet on all your favorite pro and college football action every weekend. They also have all the most up-to-date lines and the most prop bets of any sports book on the planet. We're on Earth, in case you guys didn't know. If you're the kind of guy who likes to bet a little to win a lot, like Caleb the Greek, pick your locks for the week. Put them together in one parlay bet, and when they all come together, the rewards will be huge. They will be huge. Take it from the Greek. Best part is, if you join right now, my bookie will double your first deposit. That's right. If you put in $1,000, they'll give you $1,000. You don't have to be Wolfgang Amadeus Einstein to know this is a smart move. Use the promo code CHAIR, C-H-A-I-R, to activate the offer. That's promo code CHAIR to double your cash. So visit mybookie.ag today. You play, you win, you get paid. And possibly laid. This is the Mazodcast. Howdy, Tiger fans, and welcome to the Mazodcast. I'm your host, Brendan Anthony. Joining me, as always, is uh, Mizzou's discipline coach, Colin Anthony. What's up, dum-dums? And not with us tonight is famous one percenter, Caleb Bungart, yep. who's at his country club with his monocle. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Couldn't join us tonight because uh, he had to dine with all the uh, muckety-mucks and upper crusters. Yeah. That's yep. kind of how he is. If you don't know Caleb, yeah. he's always wearing a tuxedo. Mm-hmm. Top hat. Uh-huh. Monocle. Sure. All of it. But we're here. He to- smells terrific. <laughs> we're not here to talk about Caleb and his elitism. Elitism. We're here to talk about the Mizzou Tigers, who uh, on Saturday, as you all know, lost to Florida 23-6. to It was another ugly one. I mean, yeah, the 23 to 6 doesn't really illustrate how ugly it was. No, but it does tell a story that this is a one sided tragedy of a season in that the defense still looks good. Yep. Uh, They gave up 27 to Georgia, but a lot of that was just being on the field too long. I mean, they, they, Provided a defense that would have kept a normal offense in the game with two top 10, top 11 teams back to back, Georgia and Florida. The defense has looked good. The offense just doesn't exist anymore. Nope. And why? We don't know what's to do about it. And we don't know. Certainly Barry Odom and Derek Dooley don't know about it because they have had every chance to turn it around and nothing changes. I think that's the most discouraging thing for us and for all Tiger fans is that it's not being fixed and they don't know how to fix it. And it's not like halftime adjustments. It's not week to week adjustments. It doesn't matter if we're playing Vanderbilt and it doesn't matter if we're playing Georgia. The results are the same. Our offense cannot move the ball. It doesn't matter if it's Kelly Bryant or if it's Taylor Powell. And the thing that is so crazy when you think about it is think about what we were talking about before the season started. Was it the offense we were worried about? No. No, we didn't know what the defense was going to be. We thought, when Kelly Bryant and, and, and Roundtree and Beatty and uh, Albert O and this Nance kid and Jonathan Johnson and we're going to, and Knox and more, we're going to move the ball, buddy. Daniel Don't, Parker Jr. Yeah, we're going to move that ball and the offensive line is going to be good. Like, but what's our defense going to be? Who knows? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Like, that's what will be determined this season. And then here we are a few months later and the defense is playing very admirably and the offense is a complete and total festering ball of shit. <laughs> 
I think that's the best description you're going to have. I think at this point, uh, we've lost four in a row and four ugly games in which we weren't even competitive. I think it's safe to say something's got to change. This won't do. This won't work. Whatever's happening. And we've talked about before how this team was ripe. Not only was it a good team, but the schedule was soft. Mm-hmm. Everything was set up for Barry Odom. And he's really blown it. And, and I know... Here's the thing about whether people want to keep Barry Odom or not keep Barry Odom. It sounds like to me the only people who are saying we shouldn't fire Barry Odom are doing it simply for economic reasons. They're yeah. they're trying to, you know, clip coupons for their yeah. football program, mm-hmm. and uh, well, that's fine. But don't ever expect to be good again. You know what I mean? Like if you want to clip coupons, that's fine. Barry Odom will work. He'll get you seven wins, maybe. But, uh, yeah, maybe, it's but we're not going to relive the Pinkle days. Maybe. I mean, people can compare the first four years of Pinkle to the first four years of Odom all the one, but we see the direction this is going. Pinkle was never as lost as Barry no, Odom and is this, currently. And that, and that has never been an apples to apples comparison. Mm-mm. And I think that's, that, that's foolish to be like, well, we don't want to pay this giant contract. Well, do you want fans to show up to the games? Cause you already have trouble filling the seats and you keep Barry Odom around and he keeps fucking jackassing around at six wins, seven wins or whatever, you know, and not, not only that, embarrassing losses that, mm-hmm. that just absolutely take a hot steamy shit all over the enthusiasm of this fan base. I mean, forget it. You're not going to sell apparel. You're not going to sell tickets, but you're right. You won't have to give Barry Odom the buyout. Congratulations. Nice job. Econ 101. Man, that guy must, yeah, fuck that. This, we need to win football games. Winning cures all. You will fill the seats. You will sell the fucking merchandise and you will get enthusiasm up and you will make it up in revenue by giving this guy the boot. If you'll just pick a coach who can win a football game, Mike Leach 2020. <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know, Colin, obviously, uh, well, one thing a coach has in his arsenal whenever he's on the hot seat is to can assistance. Barry Odom has done it before when he got mm-hmm. rid of DeMonte Cross when the defense was an absolute disaster. Yep. Now the offense is an absolute disaster. Will he get rid of Derek Dooley? So late in the season, but maybe. Who knows? I mean, you know what? He probably will. And there's a reason I say that is I see the sentiment online and that even those who have been reticent to say Barry Odom might need to lose his job or the, their sort of compromised position they seem to have taken is they'll admit that maybe Barry Odom needs to fire a lot of his staff and needs to do some reworking. And it's just like, oh, yeah, you could. I, I get it. But I hope Barry Odom firing a bunch of staff members isn't the excuse to give him yet another year. But well, that's sort of those those Odom hopeful folks are hoping that Odom can just show everybody else the door and maybe get one last shot at this. How many times do, does a head coach get to uh, chop the heads off a coordinator to save his own ass? I mean, And how many like bites of a shit sandwich does a fan base have to eat before they realize they're eating a shit sandwich? Because <laughs> that is what we're eating, folks. It's a big, smelly, corn-filled shit sandwich. Well, even if Barry Odom is retained, this coach, you cannot have a season like this. This is a disastrous mm-hmm. season. You cannot have a season like this. Not under and, these circumstances. Not all the things that were aligned for him. Right. You can't have it without coaches losing jobs. Nope. It's just, it, that's the part of the job. And this is your four for Odom. I mean, this is not us being reactionary. No. You know what I mean? This is for your four. He should be doing something with, this is really the season where he should have done something. These are, he most, is. They are his, doing something. Well, I mean, they're his <laughs> players. He had, like I said, the, the schedule line out for him. He had theoretically the coaching staff he wanted. He's, he's already cut his teeth. He's no longer yeah, year one new head coach. facilities. I mean, it's all it's all lined up for this season. This was the make or break season. I think everybody sort of felt that way, if, even if they hadn't articulated it out loud. I think that's the way everybody saw it. Like this mm-hmm. is Odom's chance to really put him on the Pinkle train. Like he went through his Pinkle years where he's trying to get the train on the tracks. Well, now the train is on the tracks. This is where Barry Odom either moves forward or doesn't and uh, sinks or swims. And he is fucking sinking like a stone. Well, I think even the pessimistic Mizzou fans looked at this as... <sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. (laughs) I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. 
The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. There's easily eight wins on the schedule. Yep. yep. And he's not going to get there. And he's likely Tennessee's. We're favored against Tennessee. I mean, it's. I don't know how. How, how, don't know. how does it? How does an offense like this be favored against anyone? I don't know. I mean, if we played Wyoming again, I'd be like, they might beat us again. We said two things. Caleb did when he was here last time, which was Mizzou was only down like a seven point dog against Florida. We're like, take, take that, that action. money. And also, I think the uh, over under was like forty three. It's like take that too because we have a good defense and we can't score. That mm-hmm. means low scores now. Yeah. Yep. And so anyway, we're somehow favored against Tennessee. That seems wildly unlikely. I think Barry Odom's. I mean. His only saving grace is Arkansas, who's not any good, but we're not any good. We can't count that as a We can't count anything as a Yeah, I mean, you win against Arkansas. I don't think that's a game saver. I mean, it may help Odom optically, I guess, a little bit because it's always the last game of the year. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, theoretically, if the bowl ban got lifted, we could go to some fucking Shreveport Turdburger Bowl. But, Mm -hmm. I mean, it's – but we all know how Odom's done in fucking bowl games. Yeah. You know, so – I mean, honestly, I think it's time to move forward. I think it's, um, I've said this, God, I've said this a hundred times for both basketball and football, and I'm sure it is more difficult than I make it seem. But please hire someone with a track record. Hire someone who knows how to run a fucking program. Enough of this true son horse shit. I'm sick of it. You know, even if that, even that person that's running that program is like Gary Pinkle, who had a program up and running at Toledo. At least he knew. How to fucking run a program. You know, I don't want any more people to cut their teeth. That's why I say Mike Leach. I'm like, yes, Mike Leach has his issues. And I, I would love to have Mike Leach. But I mean, Mike, what I know about Mike Leach is everywhere he's gone, he has managed to build a program that can play um, competitive football. He knows how to run a program ultimately. Colin, this is going to make some waves. Lane, what about Lane Kiffin? Well, and I don't want Lane Kiffin necessarily because Lane Kiffin to me has never proven that he can build a program. He can p- prove he can fucking sink one. Um, <laughs> well, the reason I say that is because uh, part of the reason I like Mike Leach, and we've talked about Mike Leach in the past, is that he's kind of crazy, mm-hmm. which makes it fun. Because if there's one thing this program lacks right now, it's any sort of fun. Yeah. We talked about last week how Barry Odom is the most conservative type of coach. Never tries a trick play. Never tries to shake anything up. Never changes anything at halftime. Mm-hmm. So conservative. Mike Leach is fun. Nobody can say Lane Kiffin's not fun. I mean, he's going to get into scandals. He's going to do terrible things no. with cocaine. And the, the, the thing, probably, we may not win, but it'll certainly be more fun than what I'm watching. I don't now. want any of that. I don't want anything to do with that. That guy's a dickhead. And you know, the only, the only Paul program, Feinbaum will be talking about us every goddamn the only day. Program that he's ever got to move, do anything are the owls. <laughs> you know, so go owls. Yeah, go owls. But but I am talking about an established coach. You know, um, I just don't want to. And maybe I'd be wrong, but I don't know that. You can go wrong there too. I don't, I don't discount Mizzou's ability to go wrong. You could hire Lovey Smith or Tommy Tuberville, you know, in basketball and football respectively and know you are making a terrible decision or they wouldn't know that they're hiring them, but we would know like, Oh, this will fail miserably. Like when we got Derek Dooley as our offensive yeah, coordinator, you know, for instance. So I appreciate giving Odom a shot and Odom deserved a shot. He'd had some success. He was not, he was Kim not Anderson a bad hire. When was, we hired him. No, he was not a bad hire necessarily. Even though Matt Rule turned down the job. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, no, you're right. He was not Kim Anderson at the time of his hiring. No. He has turned into Kim Anderson, yep. I will say, at this yep. point, which is Kim Anderson did not know how to run a Division One football no. basketball program. No. And, and I don't think that Barry is lost. He is lost, and his team has quit. I mean, mm-hmm. anybody who wants to dispute that is just wrong. Well, I this, think this team is not playing for him. He's lost the locker room. He's certainly lost the field. Well, I, I, and the I, discipline. We haven't even gotten into oh, the fuck. discipline. Everybody, issue. everybody's bringing that up, and I, you, you know, it's getting bad because the press box super friends are turning. Meanwhile, back with the press box super friends, and and. You know, we talked about the way that they turn. They start just sort of throwing out all the damning statistics that come with it. And we we alluded to that in a previous show about some of the very damning statistics that Odom is throwing up as a Mizzou's head coach. You know, and Ben Fredrickson wrote an article this week that was just basically just drug Mizzou for the mud for being just an undisciplined mess. You know, the, unlikable, he called them. Yeah, unlikable. And he's not wrong. You know, like you said, they're no fun. There's no personalities on this team that make you want to smile. The, the only guy I can think of is Nick Bolton mm-hmm. and Cale Garrett. Those guys were fun to watch and you had personality on the field. But one of those guys is gone. The other guy is 
trying to hold together a defense. It's hard to root for a team that is routinely getting unsportsmanlike conduct penalties and personal fouls and and doing really bad, stupid things. I don't want to get too deep into the game, but I think the one uh, moment in that game, and Fredrickson mentioned in his um, article, and I know we talked about it that day, is the 15-yard personal foul penalty that was going to give us first and 15, you know, give us 15 yards in the first down. I think we were already on the 36 or something like that. Yeah, we were driving. And Albert O, you know, grabs a guy and throws him to the ground. And, you know, I haven't noticed this personally. Fredrickson mentioned in the article that Albert O has been as guilty of this sort of conduct as anyone. I haven't noticed, you know, Albert O basically necessarily being a shithead, but I have noticed he hasn't, he's been dropping some fucking footballs for a guy who's supposed to be winning awards. And I think four of the top 10 drop rate players and receivers in the SEC are Mizzou players. Mm-hmm. I mean, we are dropping passes too like big. the good old days. The, the, the game is too, the, the lights are too bright. And that, again, that comes from a mindset and a discipline that comes from the head coach. And that, and for all of the statistics, we will talk about the penalties and the offensive play and the coordinators and I don't know, all the, you know whatever you want to get in discipline. Maybe for me, I don't, I don't know why this is, but maybe for me, the most stelling stat is those sorts of stats, the drops. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like that sort of stuff is, you know, it just speaks to a lack of focus. Do you know what I mean? Like we all know these guys can catch footballs. They got division one college scholarships to do it. Mm-hmm. And they didn't get those scholarships by dropping footballs. This and is, now they are. And that says that their, their heads are someplace else. But this is not a team that makes plays. When there's a 50 50 ball, we do no. not get it. We just, we have not made a play. Bunch of Wilton Lilies because, and you take on the personality of your head coach, you take on the personality of your general. And the personality of Barry Odom is a undisciplined shithead, apparently, because these guys can't catch. They act like idiots. Uh, they get stupid penalties. They're untimely penalties. They just, they're a mess. Well, you know what really gets me sort of depressed and, and circling the drain when I think about this team is that when we got Kelly Bryant, we sort of won the Kelly Bryant sweepstakes, so yeah. to speak. And all these other schools were like, man, how did it go to Mizzou? Arkansas making excuses like they were a good program or something. Auburn, too. Auburn making excuses. And then look at the lack of success that Kelly Bryant has had. And I fear that... It'll be used as ammunition on the recruiting trail. Why wouldn't it? It's the first thing I would bring up. If there was a player that could be good and was leaning towards Mizzou, you think coaches aren't going to go and be like, you don't want to go there. Kelly Bryant took a risk and went to Mizzou. Look what happened. Look at that. You think you want to you repeat what yeah, happened with Kelly, Kelly Bryant? Bryant? Honestly, at this point, may not get drafted. Oh, absolutely. I do not think he will. Well, here's what I'll say about Kelly Bryant. He won't get drafted as a quarterback. You know what I mean? Like he maybe. might get, you know, he might get a shot as a wide receiver or um, something like that. But he's not. He's he certainly hasn't done anything this season that would make me think that anybody in the NFL would want anything to do with his NFL quarterback career. Well, I'll say this: I think I've seen enough of Kelly Bryant at this point to say he is not as talented of an athlete. As Brad Smith was. Brad Smith was a better athlete, I believe. Maybe he is. I don't know. I don't want to make that. I don't I don't know. The, the truth is, is that Kelly Bryant's a much... The one thing I'll say about Kelly Bryant, he's a big, physical guy. He's hard to take down when he does run. He's hard to tackle. Mm-hmm. And uh, the problem, given, given the success of a guy like Lamar Jackson in the NFL, maybe they look at a guy like Kelly Bryant. It's like, if we can teach this guy to throw and screw mm-hmm. his head on a little tighter, we could have something here. So maybe yeah. I'm wrong because I know there's a lot of people that said Lamar Jackson should have been a wide receiver. Yeah. And he's now destroying people with Baltimore well, as the you, quarterback. Well, look at him going up against Deshaun Watson just this weekend and everybody was watching that game it was Mm -hmm. really exciting to see those two types of uh, quarterbacks and you're right I mean maybe the NFL doesn't care what your box score was no they sure don't they care about what your measurables are and that's always the case every year Mizzou has some fucking offensive lineman or defensive lineman or some player someone I would someone on the team that I would consider a role player that gets a look you know, either as an undrafted free agent or a late round draft pick, and I go, oh, I didn't even know they were good. Do you know what I mean? Like, but that's what I, the point is: is like somebody does. These yeah. guys are watching these snaps, and they whatever they see in these guys, this ability, this physical ability to play the game. Yeah, but and, at the same time, these same teams pick up Jama more and think that he will be good. And we watched him for four years and go, no, that is not going to work out for you. Well, and even, I think Jamar Moore still on a roster. I'm no, sure. he's not. He, he got dumped. Anyway, the uh, regardless, yeah, you're, uh, they're always going to give these athletes an opportunity. But I think that you know Kelly Bryant may still get his opportunity. I shouldn't say so that he necessarily won't. But boy, he won't get drafted. But I, it, he's certainly not doing anything at this point to impress Mizzou fans or NFL scouts. I would think. And he's not helping us recruit in the future. I think that's that's my end of mm-hmm. the point is that they can look at Kelly Bryant as a case study on why you shouldn't go to. Zoo, and then you know they're going to do that if they can. Yeah, no, I mean it's a, it's what everybody. I mean, I remember hearing reading the article about how what Jim Harbaugh's pitch to Drew Locke was is that you'll never play in the NFL if you go to Mizzou. Mm-hmm. You got to come to Michigan to do that. Now that's silly, obviously, but 
it's an argument you're going to make. And Drew Locke probably knew better because his dad played at Mizzou and his, and his dad would know better. He knows Mizzou's program enough. Like, hey, Mizzou's putting as many plays in the NFL as anybody, right. especially at that point when they were recruiting Drew Locke. But the fact remains is they're going to use all of that stuff against you. And at this point, you know, after watching what Derek Dooley and, and, and uh, Odom did to Kelly Bryant, Maybe Kelly Brown's just not that good. I leave that possibly open as well, but I wouldn't want to go play with the cocksuckers. Well, I mean, this offense is being tragically run. It's not just, I mean, all the things that people were laughing about us hiring Derek Dooley and things mm-hmm. that I said about him, well, they were pro- right. they're proving to be true because we opened the show to talk about all the weapons that are on this offense. And by God, if you're playing Vanderbilt, I don't care if they're not as good as advertised at the beginning of the season. They ought to show up against fucking Vanderbilt. And they didn't. And I don't think it's a personnel issue. I yeah. think it's a coaching thing. And oh, I know it's a, I know it's not a personnel issue. And you, I, you look at Kelly Bryant against Florida and it was the same thing. Every time we ran a passing play, he would drop back. He would have time. The offensive line would give him a little time. The pocket would eventually collapse. He would do a few nifty moves to get free and avoid being sacked, but he never saw anybody open downfield. And by God, when the pockets, when you've held the ball long enough, things do open up. He never saw it, mm-hmm. and then he would chuck it out of bounds. Every single play that was a passing play, if he didn't hit us check down, I mean, I think maybe we threw deep one time. It was always to his check down or out of bounds as just mm-hmm. a, bl- just a wasted play. Well, and, and again, they, they, they never want to utilize the middle of the field. And I, I, you know, to me, the offensive line has played not very well. And, no, it, they've been very spotty back. And that's his, that's his, uh, probably as big an indictment of Dooley and Odom and this offense as anything. It's like the offensive line was steady and, um, they've continued to be steady for years and there was no reason that they shouldn't have stayed steady and that for the first part of the season they were the deterioration of the offensive line and for more reasons the offensive line as a unit is usually more consistent than other parts of the of a football a team you know what i mean the offensive line is usually what they are at the beginning of the season is what they are at the end of the season they usually are i mean they're just a unit and they're usually the smartest guys in the football team at least if you trust wonderlick scores for them to be failing so miserably i think is an indictment uh just yet another indictment of this duly offense and in odom's coaching in general yeah it's pretty it's pretty depressing. We got Tennessee coming up next, and uh, we've got the last two seasons we've beaten Tennessee fifty to seventeen. Both the I same wouldn't score. That Brennan, I'm just gonna you don't disappoint, don't get disappointed when that doesn't happen. <laughs> if it's fifty to seventeen, it's going to be Tennessee winning fifty to seventeen. <laughs> yeah, and I I'll be amazed we put up seventeen points. Yeah, that's right. Because again, this was a game where I don't know what was it like six to three or something like that. Ridic nine to six, something very low scoring at halftime with this Florida game. And it seems insurmountable. I mean, we can't score touchdowns. The closest we had to a touchdown was when Nick Bolton dropped a clear pick six mm-hmm. deep into uh, his own territory. I mean, that thing just went through his hands. Yep. Just yep. didn't expect to see it, I guess. That was the closest we came was the Kale Garrett style of touchdown. Definitely not anything from our offense. Yep. And I think we'd be remiss before we went to the break without even mentioning. I feel like last year we had a bunch of penalties go against us, but we were competitive in the game. Mm-hmm. This we weren't going to win this game, but that officials call that uh, Florida caught a twenty-five <laughs> yard reception, and then we play so bo- poorly, it's almost you almost forget that they, we did, we just got jobbed. Oh on my a call. god, we got so. Jo- I mean, it was a clear interception. We intercepted the ball, stopped their drive, and should have taken over. Instead, it was a twenty-five yard gain, which Florida then scored on. We got hosed by the SEC officials, and. And they ran it through replay. And it was such a bad call. It was one of those things that it went through social media, like not Mizzou media, but mm-hmm. just like. Yeah, it went viral. And everybody's like, look, the officials actually called this a catch. Well, my thing is, I, maybe it's because um, it's just we're removed from the Big 12 for so long now. But I was like, I never thought the officiating could get worse than it did in Big 12. I feel like the SEC officiating has been worse. SEC least, officiating is every bit as bad. It's abysmal. It is horrible officiating. We have, if there's one thing that has been consistent since we have joined the SEC is that throughout the season, we are going to see one miserable, awful call after another. Game deciding calls. Yeah. And not only that, calls that can be corrected with replay and are still just replay. Replay hasn't helped. I mean, that's how dumb and terrible they are. Replay came in and I think people thought, oh, we're going to fix officiating now. You know, we can, we have all these camera angles. We have HDTV. We can go back and look at it and get the call right. I think the calls are, the, the, the weird arcane rules about replay make it so in, Horrible. You know what I mean? Like, there's never a point where, you know, fans can all look at a play and be like, well, obviously that was an interception. Mm-hmm. And 
the replay people can work themselves around these weird rules and to say, no, because of some stupid rule, we're going to call that a catch and then try to justify it and be like, some, at some point there ought to be just passing the eye test. I mean, the NFL was doing this with receptions a while back mm-hmm. and they kind of fixed themselves. Like, yeah, there were they- some really good catches that ca- called not catches in the NFL. And fans were like, what are we even watching this for? If you're going to, we can't even tell what a catch is anymore. Well, I think it's indicative of college football in general where people or these, these uh, young athletes are asked to just crashing each other and sacrifice their bodies for free and anybody gets mad when the suggestion that they might be paid comes up this officiating like there's no stakes in it you know, like for the for the players there's these huge stakes their health and for the coaches they get to make eight billion dollars and they could lose their job easily for making too many mistakes Odo may be the result of that i just feel like part of the reason officiating is the way it is is there's real real stakes like oh you made a bad call so we're not going to let you do this bowl game yeah. You know what I mean? But we're you don't lose great. your job. You don't get docked a bunch of money. You don't get a, a, a bunch of concussions where you can't remember your grandkid's name when you're 50. I mean, officiating is, a, at the end of the day, a fucking paid hobby almost. And it's like, and as long as it's that, you're going to get that level of quality. Are you suggesting, and I think that you are, that officials should have their pinky toes removed with a garden loppers if it's deemed to be bad enough of a call? Well, no, I just, I mean, I think. I think that you are. Well, I no, hear me out. I think what I'm suggesting is, is that if you're going to make a bad call, especially one after replay obviously shows you it's, it's, you should correct your call, that we're going to take a hammer and put toothpicks underneath your fingernails during the week in between the next game so you understand that those calls are, you know, mean something and you need to be better. That's only fair. Yeah. You know, we won't, we won't start cutting off digits until, you know, if it, you know, if you're talking about the national championship. Well, game, bowl games, I think. Imagine how many, how many <laughs> referees would be missing fingers. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Yeah, be mitten time. You for ever see all that officials. movie Looper with uh, Bruce Willis? And like when they catch you in the future, and they start lopping your fingers off and stuff, mm. and then your fingers and shit start disappearing as an adult. It's all, all right. a, it's all the big time continuum thing. I'm getting off on a tangent, but good. Yeah, never mind. I, t- I, t- I talked to Caleb before this, and I told him, you know, because I was like, man, you know, it's just such a bummer. It's hard to even do shows sometimes. And he's like, the team sucks. And he goes, we're having more fun talking about shit that doesn't have anything to do with football. And I said, I think we should just do it. You know what I mean? Like the football's depressing. Let's not be depressed. Let's talk about lopping off officials' fingers. Sure. In well, the that future, certainly would make me feel better, especially after a call like we saw on Saturday. Well, why don't we take our first break, Colin? Come back and uh, go around the horn with the SEC and uh, check out some Kansas news. M I Z Z O U. Hey guys, we have a new sponsor. Who is it? Well, they're called Manscaped. And oh, I know I know this product. Yeah, they sent us some stuff, didn't they? Yeah, we shaved our sweet salty balls with them. I'll tell you what, they have good stuff. I shaved and I found a tattoo I forgot I even had. <laughs> <laughs> They're the number one men's below-the-belt grooming company in America. My balls are so soft. (laughs) (laughs) Who's the governing body who decides this, by the way? I don't know, but I I believe what they're telling me. Manscaped has redesigned its electric trimmer. It's called the Lawnmower 2, and it has proprietary skin-safe technology, so the trimmer won't nick or snag your nuts. It's a zero-turn mower. It gets the job done. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It's scrote-safe. That's guaranteed. But I can't tell you how many lacerations my ball sack used to have before we got Manscaped. Well, you shouldn't have been using that bullwhip, Colin. (laughs) (laughs) Manscaping accidents are finally a thing of the past. In my defense, it was a rusty lawnmower blade. But either way, I don't have to worry about that anymore. Don't use the same trimmer on your face as you use on your balls. Best day one stuff. Act now and you can get 20% off and free shipping. Just use the code armchair at manscaped.com. Always use the right tools for the right job. Your balls will thank you. Guys, remember the days when you were always ready to go? Seems like it was only yesterday. (laughs) Do you want to increase your performance and get extra confidence in the bedroom? I know that I do. Need anything I can get. (laughs) I do not have a large penis. (laughs) No, it's sad. We share the same genetics. We've been shortchanged. Yeah, it was not. Well, I've got news for you and for all of our listeners. Good news. And that is bluechew.com. That's right. BlueChew.com. Mmm, sounds like dog medicine. It's not dog medicine. It's dong pills. So what you're saying is we're now one of those podcasts sponsored by dong pills. You better believe it. Great. Yes. BlueChew brings you the first chewable with an FDA approved. This is not pseudoscience bullshit. My dick will be the judge of that. <laughs> BlueChew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA approved 
active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis. So you know it works. So if you conceivably want to drive a 16-penny nail through a 2x4 with your cock, Blue Chew is for you. What if you want an erection so hard that a cat couldn't scratch it? Well, then Blue Chew is for you. What if you want your erection to be so hard it's like a diamond in an ice storm in Greenland? <laughs> well, Blue Chew is for you. Fair enough. You can take them anytime, day or night on a full stomach or empty, and since they are chewable, they work twice as fast as the other pills. So you can be ready whenever the opportunity arises. <laughs> <laughs> I see what they did there, Blue yeah. Chew. Yeah. Well, what if you have no teeth, Colin? Well, <laughs> it's a bad question, dickhead. <laughs> All right, so... Right now, we've got a special deal for our listeners. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment free. When you use our special promo code ARMCHAIR, just pay $5 shipping. Most guys talk a good game, but Blue Chew helps you follow through. That's right. Dong pills. <laughs> Dong pills. <laughs> of course. Ooh, man with the plan. You better roll with the gang. Busting these moves and I don't even dance. In the left lane, I'm doing the dash. Wristlet. Tech bust down, that's a patty cake, mad white frosting. Big chips, betting on black, all black dress, nigga, I'ma kill shit. And I don't really care what it's costing. Big bags with me like I'm heading to the laundry. She want a wife now, she want the pipe down, down, down. So I slide through my city, I do it big, no biggie. We can pop bands on tees, I just wanna show you what's good. No cap, it's all hood. Run it up. And we are back. This one is called Lamb. The artist is B. Morgan, featuring Obanga. If you'd like to get your music on the Mazodcast, all you've got to do is email us at mazodcast at gmail.com, and we'd be happy to play it. So if you're a musician, send us your music. We'll get it out in the world for you. One thing I forgot to mention, Colin, was that uh, we did have a bunch of voicemails after uh, this heartbreaking loss. I'm surprised people are still calling in. It's We could just play the same voicemails over and over again. We suck. People don't like Odom. Yep. We lost. Let's get to it now. This is uh, the mailbag. Here's the mail. It never fails. It makes me want to wag my tail. When it comes, I want to wail. For all those comparing uh, Coach Pinkle and Coach Odom in the first couple of years, uh, let's look at penalties um, in year four for Odom and year four for Pinkle. Um, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but something tells me that Odom's teams have ten times more penalties than Pinkle does because Odom is undisciplined football. So if we want to compare coaches, let's compare that. And that transfers over into the quality of wins and the production on the field, which is hot garbage. Hot, hot garbage. garbage. Can I say just for a second that I think this guy does not miss a show where he calls in and leaves a voicemail. Appreciate it. Dedicated. Yeah, good man. Everyone blaming this offense on Derek Dooley. That is a major problem, but few questions. So who was responsible for hiring Derek Dooley and making the offensive coordinator? Barry Odom. Who was responsible for the team every single day in practice, every single week to stop these penalties? Barry Odom. And who needs to be fired at the end of the season? Barry Odom. <laughs> it's a pretty common answer. Hot garbage. Hot, hot garbage. <laughs> Mario. That's the end of the third quarter, and here's what I've learned. Bryant isn't good enough to play on Sundays. I'm starting to think he's uh, an issue in the locker room. Albert O has fallen to a late draft round pick at best. Barry is clearly just auditioning for a D coordinator job somewhere next year. MU fans did turn out better than I thought they would. That's great, but better than I thought. And Oliver clearly intercepted the ball. Yeah. Yes, call. Well, that's about it. M-I-Z, fire bike leech. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I will say that uh, I was surprised how big a crowd we did have. I expected that stadium to be empty, and it was not. There were a lot of people who came out in the cold to watch us play Florida. That was uh I mean, and to the TJ Moe's of the world, I guess you can't blame the fans for that one. They were there. Yeah. I mean, TJ wasn't, but the fans were. Sure. That's an interception. Fuck that. That's (laughs) horseshit. Horseshit fucking call. Bullshit. I agree. Yeah, he he makes all good points. Those are all excellent points. Well, I had so much confidence and positivity coming to this game because we had nothing to lose. There's about 11 minutes left in the fourth. I'm completely depleted of all confidence because we cannot be disciplined and the refs are fucking us and we can't score. Those three things do not equal wins. So, we lose to Florida. It is what it is. I don't know, man. I mean, Barry's got to go. I think I'm on the train. 
think I'm hopping on. Come on, buddy. <laughs> we got a seat for you. <laughs> All right. So kick off. We're in the zoo, Florida. Fucking helmets are badass. Walk out of the Top Gun. Got me so goddamn wrecked. We've nothing to lose. Let's just fucking beat Florida. Like, why not? We seem to do it even when we suck. Let's just throw the fucking playbook at him and let's just get it. Oh, one last glimmer of hope. Maybe we can skip all out of the I don't know if it really matters. But fuck, that's what's something fun to happen this season. Let's go. Let's beat the fucking Gators. Yeah. That did not, did not go down. Yeah. He was disappointed. Yep. I just want to take some time to uh, mold that terrible, terrible game over. Uh, went to a game yesterday. Thanks to uh, Veterans United. Shout out to them. Got us some tickets. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know what's going on. It's kind of driving me nuts. I want to take some time to mull it over, but the discipline is, is non-existent. Derek Dooley needs to be gone. He should have been gone a long time ago. Uh, Odom's probably gone. I'm surprised Jim Stark hasn't come out saying he uh, backs him up and supports him yet. But kind of driving me crazy. You look at programs like uh, Baylor, 2017, they were 1-11. Last year, they were 7-6. This year, they are 9-1. So two-year turnaround. It looked pretty good as a program, especially given all the uh, bad stuff that happened with them. God, that's such bring a good point. Bring That'd be my vote. Get everybody out of there. Clean house. Bring them in. Go Tigers. Everybody, every time, everybody wants to just give these coaches just gobs and gobs of time. And I know there is a, I mean, everything's relative. I mean, you got to, you know, the uh, uh, program can be in better or worse shape depending on where you're at when you start. But there's no reason this shit should take years. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? There's no reason for it to take four years. Yeah. There's no reason you should be in danger of missing out on a bowl game in year four. If yeah. you've got the right coach, by that point, the train should be on the tracks. And I'm going to tell you right now that if you can make a winner out of the University of Wisconsin or the University of Minnesota, you damn well ought to be able to make a winner at Missouri. Or Baylor. Think about what Baylor has been through in their mm-hmm. recent past. I mean, yeah, Jesus oh Christ. Hey, this is Daniel Locksmith at Silver Dollar City. And uh, mm. my thought here is... We're, we're going, by the way. Elway's only listening ray of hope right now is that if Drew Locke can make the Missouri hot dog water offense... Hot dog water. ...look any good then he must be able to do something with that Denver offense that has been floundering. I'm not really sure why we still have that bum as our offensive coordinator, but, yeah, it's it's time for him to go, and I'd say Barry Odom, too. M-I-Z. I, You know, I don't uh, hear a lot of people making arguments for Barry Odom. Be like, hey, let's be patient. That that train seems to have sailed, so. Well, I think, again, part of it is, is like, it's not it's not necessarily the losses. I mean, if he would have, if we would have lost to Florida, 40 to 41 in right. a real, in a barn burner. It's, it's the way you lose in a lot of circumstances. And, you know, the, the us being unlikable and undisciplined mm-hmm. is a way you don't want to lose. Yeah. No, nobody does. It's the worst way. It's, and like I said, just not fun. It's mm-hmm. got to be fun. Yeah. It's fucking early in this game. Like, we just got a few first downs and punted. I think it was our second possession. The well, fuck, I miss an offense. Why can't we ever pair up a good defense with a good offense or a know. serviceable defense with a good offense or anything? If we had a serviceable offense that could just put up 14 to 17 points a game, both of these games, these last two games against top-tier talent, they've been close. They would have been close. We may not have won, but with a serviceable offense, we would have been in them. And we wouldn't have felt like if we get down by 10, we're just done for. Because, I mean, this is a team that quits. They quit. Honestly, the fact that Barry Odom has kept Dooley this long, man, maybe another indictment on him. Like this season hadn't completely slipped away, and we could have made a change, you know? Yeah. And and, I mean, the weird thing, I think, for this season compared to every other Barry Odom year is that we had started shitty in the past. Granted, we started with a loss to Wyoming, but then we seemed to right the ship, rolled off five wins, and we thought, oh, everything's fixed. And then the wheels just fell off. In the past, we started slow and then won out, like mm-hmm. five or six in a row to yeah. win out. And then just like covers up, just like we were talking about with Arkansas. Well, it would sort of like just wallpaper over all the problems. But this time around, finishing your season shitty, you can give Derek Dooley all the credit in the world when we were scoring, I don't know, 38 to 7 against West mm-hmm. Virginia, a bad West Virginia team. But like, I don't know. You just can't get beat like we got beat to Vanderbilt in Kentucky and then continue to get beat by. I mean, because if we would have won the Georgia or the Florida game or something to just like make us one of these like teams that we can't understand why we're mm-hmm. good sometimes, we're not that. Any, we're not. We're just bad now. We're just yeah. bad. We've got no future of being good. You got to go. Somebody's got to go, I suppose. Somebody's well, I think got there's, to go. No, there's no answer to fixing it. 
And that's uh, nobody knows why it's bad. Something's wrong. And the coaches are the ones who are paid well, to identify. Depending it. on what your team, you know, like let's say against them again, because we always, you know, we always are familiar with the Chiefs. You go, well, we know what's wrong with the Chiefs. You know, their fucking linebackers are terrible. Their defense can't stop the run. You know, yeah, there's a so specific around problem, it. and you start to try to scheme around it, or maybe go to free agency, or you try to get like a trade or whatever. Well, you don't have a lot of those luxuries in college sports. But I, it, the difference being is, I don't. There's no place to put your finger on what's going wrong, Mm-mm. and. Part of that is, is that I don't think the coaches know what's going wrong. You know what I mean? I, that's my biggest, yeah, probably no, my the, biggest concern in all of this is I don't think the coaches are any more equipped to deal with this problem than you or I are sitting right here podcasting. We know that they're not, Colin, because this has gone on for four straight games. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like They haven't fixed it yet. They're not going to start today. Not only have they not fixed it, we haven't seen them do anything different. different yeah. You know, it's not like they tried something else and that didn't work too. Mm-hmm. They haven't even tried anything else. Yeah. It's like they only just learned that something's the matter. <laughs> and then we get a fucking sack and we don't call a timeout. There's like 50 seconds left before the fucking half. Like, when points are at a fucking premium, we don't call a timeout. It's third and long. Like, what the fuck are we doing? There's so many things can happen. Like, a fucking, we can block a punt to be a bad snap. Like, give our fucking offense a chance. Fucking anything. It's so fucking stupid. Fuck. Fuck. That is the emotion we all have. I agree. All, all of those sentiments are, are right. Well, it's the middle of the third quarter, and the refs keep giving Florida every single damn controversial call. But what are you going to do? We can't score a touchdown anyway. I don't know if you guys have noticed, but it looks like the refs have the Florida coaches' jizz dripping down their chins. M-I-Z. It's <laughs> <That is> graphic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it may be true, but even that is not – I mean, the officiating was bad, but – it's not the root of all evil. I, I don't worry about the officiating whenever we can't win anyway. Yeah. You know, the, the officials, like I said, they've had a huge bad call, and we've talked we've talked about the officiating in the SEC has been garbage, but the officials are not the reason Mizzou sits where it's at. Yo, this is Xavier down at Bama Country. Yeah, this is where they eat grit, not cream of wheat. No, uh, it took me a while to use be. that idea, this whole grit thing. I'm not into that. I was a cream of wheat guy growing up. Uh, but they don't do that here. They, they don't do much with wheat, and they sure as heck don't make holiday angels out of them. Georgia game, boys. You know, <laughs> I've got to hand it to the defense. You know, i really got to say, you know what? Screw it. Screw it. Yeah, they don't make holiday angels anywhere but Kansas, and we learned that. Caleb is a big fan of cream of wheat. I mean, he talked about it probably more than we needed to last time on the show, but he's a man of many passions. And I think cream of wheat is one of them, as are the frosted mini wheats with the fruit inside. Well, that's where his passion lies, is yeah. the frosted mini wheats with a touch of fruit. And he's not wrong. I mean, if you haven't had those, they're where to you start your morning tomorrow with some mini wheats with fruit inside, just a dab of fruit. Or you can do it like Caleb does and get ridiculously high. <laughs> that's what he did last time when we recorded. I never heard so much from Caleb mm-hmm. as uh, when he was uh, stoned with a bejesus belt. <laughs> All right, Colin, why don't we switch gears to the SEC around the horn? Because while Mizzou doesn't play football anymore, a lot of teams do. And it is getting interesting around the conference because uh, Georgia, obviously, they uh, clinched the East this week. So let's do it now. We We break our bread at Waffle House. Our teams are pretty good. We even play some basketball when Jesus says we should. So pour a little bourbon and repeat right after me. Built a church for Saturdays and called it SEC. Jesus loves football. And I am happy to report that the Paul Feinbot is now out of the shop. Colin, would you mind firing it up now? Will do. Alabama. Nick Saban. All righty. Paul, are you ready to do this? Let's get started. All right. Glad to have you back. Yes, sir. Okay, Colin. The first game I have to report is a little bit of a snoozer. Alabama. 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 That's right. Alabama played Mississippi State and uh, the number five Crimson Tide coming off their loss to LSU walloped Mississippi State 38-7. to It's an unenviable spot Mississippi State had. You do not want to play Alabama ever. After and you certainly don't want to play them after a loss. Uh, so they righted their ship a little bit. I think Alabama is, I mean, Alabama still could make 
the college football playoff, obviously, but there are a lot of things that have to be determined to make sure. Yeah, I think it's the the sad thing about the you know why the college football playoffs is still not perfect is that Alabama with one loss will may not make the playoffs, and there's going to be some undefeated teams that you know that Alabama would beat by forty points, like Baylor. Yeah, so I, they, they just need to expand them. I mean, that's well, all. That's the what I'm saying. Ultimately, you expand it to six or eight, and if eventually you get to a point where it's like, okay, you can't make your art. Maybe you're number nine and you don't get in where number mm-hmm. eight does. But once you're not good enough to be in the top four to six, yeah, stop complaining. Planning at that point, you know what I mean. Like it, it's. Well, I think the I think the uh, the obvious answer is is to do what the NFL does, and that is like every conference champion gets in, mm-hmm. and then you have. What the, the only controversial spots would be core of your quote unquote wild cards, right? You know, so if you've got a one loss LSU or Alabama, the SEC that is obviously a world beater, mm-hmm. they get in, and it would make the conference championships worth something too. Yeah, absolutely. And because then, I mean, when Missouri played in the Big Twelve championship, it hurt us. Mm-hmm. We didn't get into the Orange Bowl the year that Kansas did. Even though we just beaten Kansas with Oklahoma, exactly. So make the college championships worth something. Get those guys in, and then have, like you said, those wild card spots. Then you can collect the teams like Alabama, who do have a loss on their schedule, but are clearly passing the eye test better than Baylor. When Baylor in this scenario gets in, I don't agree. <laughs> and you know, and and teams like Minnesota get, you know, they're going to win their conference. You know, they're going to get in anyway. No. So you know, the Boise State and, and UCF. I mean, UCF can get in. They can get that wild card spot because they are undefeated, and then they can get fucking walloped, and we don't have to listen to them pretend that they're national champions. Yes, sir. On down the dial, Kentucky played Vanderbilt. Kentucky walloped Vanderbilt thirty-eight to fourteen. These are two teams who have beaten Missouri, by the way. Mm-hmm. Uh, the interesting thing for me is that uh, Kentucky beat Vanderbilt easily, thirty-eight to fourteen. Florida just beat Vanderbilt fifty-six to nothing. This is not a Vanderbilt team that had some surprises that snuck up on us. We just lost to a really, really bad, bad football probably team. Probably every bit as bad a loss as, as, as probably Wyoming when you look You're at right it. You're right about that. Yeah, I agree. Texas A&M played South Carolina, and uh, Texas A&M won that game 30-6. to South Carolina is spiraling. I, fully I, need, to check on, I need to check on Will Muschamp. Like, I haven't, I haven't dug deep into the Twitter feeds of, like, South Carolina fans of late, but I'm betting it is – I'm betting the water is getting pretty hot for one Mr. Will Muschamp. Adios. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you ain't wrong, Paul. <laughs> yeah, he, I think we're not going to see any more of uh, Will Muschamp at South Carolina. Well, I think there. Will Muschamp is ultimately doing what Barry Odom is doing, and that is they are proving themselves to be coordinators. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and the thing about Will Muschamp is how – much all the media talked him up about what a great coach he is. I mean, I remember I, us looking at one another dumbfounded and be like, did they not watch? Yeah. Chris Doring on the SEC Network, and he comes on the show. He's been a good friend of ours, but he loves Will Muschamp. Yeah. And I don't know why. I don't well, know what I, photos he has of from, him. Well, I, I, you know, from what I gather, he's a likable fella. And, and Doring is a Florida guy. And, you know, so was Odom. They're both likable fellas, I'm sure. You know, I mean, I'm sure they're great to drink a beer with. I'm sure they got fun stories about football, their life in football. But I think both of them are defensive coordinators, not head coaches. Mm. Well, we'll find out. I, I think probably they'll announce something at the end of the year. But South Carolina's had a weird year. They beat Georgia. They're the only team that's found a way to beat Georgia. And I don't know how that happened. But everything else for South Carolina has turned to turds. Mm, that does not bother me. LSU, the number one team in the country, played Ole Miss this week at Ole Miss. Of they course, did. I saw that one. This was an interesting game. I mean, the outcome was what everyone expected. LSU won the game. They put up 58 points, which LSU can do now because they have a Heisman train. I mean, I'm all aboard Joe Burrow winning the Heisman. He is transformed. I'm all aboard the LSU train. I mean, like, I'm telling you, uh, even before we were in the SEC, I always had a soft spot for LSU, and I don't know why. You know what I think it was? Is that, what was that show with, or that movie with Dennis Quaid and, and <laughs> yeah, uh, John Goodman? Yeah. That's, uh, we're going to have to get a 90s reference uh, button on that. What is it? Everybody's All American? That's it. That's it. Everybody's yeah. All American. And I remember watching that movie and liking LSU as a result. There you go. And so uh, there's part of me that is uh, sort of happy that if, if I'm going to have to root for a team that is not Mizzou in the, in, in the SEC, I like LSU for two reasons. That movie, so there's a, some sort of strange nostalgia I have built into me. And then the other reason is I've always felt like they're sort of the second fiddle whipping boy to Alabama. And I'm always going to root for that sort of second fiddle underdog 
And um, mm. I don't know. And, and Ed O makes him eat the light because Ed he's Ed. such a personality. <laughs> Ed Ogeron is an example of the true son thing working, working out. out. <laughs> working out good. And I mean, there was a plenty of people, including myself, who didn't think he deserved that, that level of job. I think everybody expected he was sort of a stopgap when Les Miles yep. left. Yep. And he's absolutely done what other coaches cannot do. And I mean, the that reason is I teach LSU to throw a forward pass. Well, that's what I'm saying about Joe Burrows. Give the man a Heisman Trophy. No one's been able to score touchdowns with the forward pass until he came there. And now they put up tons of points. The interesting thing for LSU is they gave up 37 to Old Miss. And that's something they're going to have to worry about is that their defense. That fucking Old Miss quarterback, though, is a fucking handful. That is the yeah. fastest kid on the planet. He is a – he, is, he a, is. If they teach that kid how to throw a football and they can recruit it all, they could be a handful for a lot of people. They And it's true. He is a freshman, and he scored four touchdowns in that game. He is absurdly fast. He reminds me of like a Tyreek Hill. I mean, when he takes off, he is – Markedly faster than everyone else on the field. I mean, it is. And really, these other people you're seeing are Division One college athletes. That's what I'm saying. Like you're talking about, you really truly have to gang tackle because you do not. Nobody's going to tackle that kid in a f- open field, like square him up and hit him. Like he is too slick. He is too fast. That kid is legit. I yeah. wish he was our quarterback. Me too. Yeah, he's something else. The last game on the docket that we uh, saw this week it was the big one. Georgia played Auburn. Number four Georgia versus number twelve Auburn. Close game. Good game. Mm-hmm. Georgia pulled out the win, twenty-one to fourteen. Old classic SEC style of game. Georgia's just really good. They're not the most exciting team to watch. From is a game manager kind of quarterback, I'd say more than you know, Joe Burrow. But and and they're not as good as LSU. But no. if there's a team that could beat LSU, it could be Georgia. You know, on the right day. They, you know, no other team is going to do it. Obviously, Alabama could. They had their shot and they didn't. But Georgia is constructed in a way that they could beat LSU. I wouldn't bet on it. I mm-hmm. do not think they will. But Georgia is a legitimately good team, and a big win against number twelve Auburn cements their spot uh, in the, in the SEC title game. Well, I tell you what, uh, our friend Paul Feinbaum he says that Malzahn should move on from Auburn. He says there's it's a no-win situation for him. And I can kind of understand that when half of your booster base is trying to get you fired. right? Out, you know what I mean? Like, that is an t- untenable position forever. You're right. Yeah, I mean, you can't imagine half the people where you work wanted you not to have your job. That would be, uh, be uncomfortable. A fine bot. Yeah, you ain't wrong. <laughs> you're, you're right. I think you're I agree with you, Paul. Yeah. You're, yeah. Gus Maul's on uh, by hooker, by crook, and needs to go. Yes, sir. All righty. So let's move on to next week, Colin. We've got uh, Mississippi State at four and six playing Abilene Christian or ACU, as uh, Caleb would have said. I think we can go ahead and mark that one up to uh, a win for Mississippi State. Mississippi State. Arkansas will play at two and eight. We'll be playing LSU. Ugh, so fuck. that's a that's not a game anybody cares about. Chad Morris, Liss Arkansas will get their tubs thumped. LSU. LSU. We know, Paul. Vanderbilt will be playing ETSU. Caleb's not here. You want to take a stab at what ETSU is, Colin? ETSU. Erection. Erection ticks sucking urethras. That's it. Erection ticks sucking urethras. Edible. <laughs> Tuffy. It is. Edible Titty Sling University. I don't know. <laughs> Caleb's the expert. That's why yeah, that's he's right. here. That's why we miss him. That's why we miss him. Uh, UT Martin plays Kentucky. I don't understand the SEC schedules. Are this late? We're getting all these teams. Like, Shouldn't we be finishing up strong? Yeah, but Shouldn't we be done with this? Yeah, so uh, Georgia will be playing Texas A&M. Georgia, Texas A&M, by the way, is 7-3 and three now. They are not terrible. They looked bad early on. And granted, they had high hopes, but 7-3 uh, and three in the West is not a bad record. Same as all Auburn, who, by the way, is playing Samford. Uh, good old Samford. Alabama. Guess who they're playing? Alabama. Uh, Alabama. Western Carolina. You know, Paul Feinbaum likes to critique Missouri when they play bad teams. Yeah. Uh, Alabama, two weeks left in the season. They're playing Western Carolina. I think, you know, as a coach, I, I can see why they want to do this. It's essentially for Alabama. This is a, a bye week. You know, you, you, you're mm. coming in, you're coming into the final stretch of the season. Let's take let's take it easy. Yeah, let's not get anybody hurt. <laughs> well, and then the uh, five and five team versus five and five team, Tennessee versus Missouri. The game nobody wants to see is uh, going to be played at six thirty on SEC Network. Mizzou somehow five point favorite. That's impossible. Take that. Money. I don't know though. I mean, Tennessee is playing a lot better, but they still they still are far from good. But Tennessee. Missouri just cannot score. Tennessee. Tennessee. We know what you think, Paul. Yep. The hapless Tigers continue to inch toward the bottom of the SEC. You're right about that, Paul. Yep. 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 All right. That's taking us all the way around the horn. 
And of course, Colin, it wouldn't be a Mazodcast episode if we didn't get into Kansas news. I always heard there were three kinds of suns in Kansas. Sunshine, sunflowers, sons of bitches. This is Kansas News. First story of the day, he's dressed in white from head to toe, apparently covering his face, and no one recognizes him. And is he work for the Klan? <laughs> well, it is Kansas, so it's a good guess. That's why I was, I mean, just right off the gas, I'm guessing a Klansman? He, uh, he's showing up on some home surveillance videos in Overland Park, Kansas. Summerwood Estates, Polo Fields, and Mills Farms neighborhoods don't get a lot of criminal activity, so when someone dressed in a hazmat suit starts stalking your neighborhood, it alarmed a lot of people. That's creepy, said Officer John Lacey when he watched videos collected from doorbell cams. The first thing I thought is, it's really creepy, and why would somebody walk around in a hazmat suit? I think you can narrow it down to people who have hazmat suits, because I don't know about you, Colin, but my closet does not contain one. I honestly, if they listen to this show and they realize how filthy and toxic the water is in Kansas, maybe mm. this guy's just smart. It's the first thing I thought of. Uh, more specifically, someone wearing a hazmat suit, face covered, miner's light on his head with backpack and gloves, and the person walks from home to home and backyard to backyard. One woman who didn't want to be identified for some fucking reason said she heard the doorbell camera alarm go off around midnight. We have a new puppy and a lot of kids in and out, so I didn't think too much of it, she said, because apparently puppies can ring doorbells. But when I got up and checked Facebook, she heard a noise and checked Facebook. Sure. It's 2019. I have all sorts of neighbors posting videos, and I thought, well, that's kind of odd. What is this woman's name? Oh, she wouldn't want to be identified. She did not want to be identified. Something like Debbie. Yeah. She sounds like if a person was a casserole. Yeah. Cheryl. Yeah, Cheryl Cheryl checked Facebook for information. When she checked... Because you've got lots of kids coming in and out of the house, and we're making that green bean casserole you like so much tonight, boys. She's boomering it up. When she checked her video, it was the same strange, creepy person who had started to come to the front porch. The creeper actually went into another woman's screen and porch. When we woke up Tuesday morning, we noticed the door was open, and we noticed a latch was also left open. Monday night, when all this went down, supposedly my husband got up and heard something tapping, and he went downstairs. She didn't trust her husband, added a supposedly for yeah, sure. After che- <laughs> well, that Jerry, he's such an idiot. He's like fucked it up. He doesn't know what tapping is. He fucked everything up. He's gonna fuck this one up. Yeah. After checking, the couple found a shattered basement window. Yeah, Sharon and Jerry, they're just <laughs> they're everybody knows they've been having trouble lately, but nobody in the neighborhood yeah, likes yeah, to talk I mean. about it. Last night we went and bought a doorbell cam and for the front and the back. So my husband's going to install them this weekend if he's capable of it. <laughs> Jerry. <laughs> fucking Jerry. He's a goddamn fucking good for nothing. What did she ever see in that guy? <laughs> Do I, I feel bad for Debbie, really. Uh, you know what? She's let herself go a little. <laughs> well, he has too, though, but he's lost some hair. He's a little bit paunchy. Yeah. You know what I mean? All he does is mow that yard, drink beer, and watch television, mm-hmm. you know? And all she does is check Facebook security cams. Yeah. Oh, she's All she cares about is Facebook and, you know, whatever. Scrapbooking. Yes. Yeah, lottery tickets and, you know, mm-hmm. making her casseroles. <laughs> Last night. And you know those boys are on marijuana. <laughs> <laughs> That's what the talk is around school. Mm-hmm. That's what the kids are buying from Debbie's kid. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I don't want to scare you. Police are baffled, <laughs> as most Kansas break-ins are committed by people in the nude. Sure. So this is sure. odd. This is a different this one. This is different. I'm almost certain he's nude underneath the hazmat suit. <laughs> I think you're right. There are no clothes. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, we're all nude under our clothes, but he doesn't have any clothes between them, is what you're saying, right? <laughs> exactly. I'm saying there's no clothes under the hazmat suit. <laughs> all right. 74-year-old Kansas woman goes to prison for scamming homeowners. A 74-year-old Bonner Springs woman was sentenced Wednesday to a year and a day in federal prison for defrauding people who are trying to protect their homes from foreclosure, according to prosecutors. Mm-hmm. So uh, this Ruby Price was part of a group of three people who falsely promised to help homeowners by getting their interest rates lowered, lowering their monthly payments payments and obtaining loan modifications, the U.S. Attorney's Office in the District of Kansas said in a statement. Customers who were receiving foreclosure notices were told not to worry, according to a federal indictment. Price was charged in 2017 with multiple counts of fraud. Price pled guilty to conspiracy to commit mail fraud and wire fraud. In court records, Price's attorney, Carl Cornwell, said Price, based on what she knew, wanted to help people behind on their mortgages. Now she understands what she was actually doing was illegal and is remorseful. So Mm. her, she's literally pleading ignorant. 
Yeah. I'm not sure that's a good legal defense, though. I don't know it is either. I, I've, uh, in the news, it seems several people are going to have to give it a try. <laughs> Before, I didn't know it was wrong to cheat people out of their savings. We have no morals here in Kansas. Now, thanks to the federal prison system, I'm starting to understand. Sure. So, sure. good for her. She's become a better person for yeah. her fraud. I'm so glad they didn't. Uh, she didn't manage to dupe old Debbie and Jerry. That's the last thing you need. It was another thing to put stress on the. They're marriage. having enough problems the way it is. Really, you know, when's the last time you think those two got well, in, were intimate? Well, you know, their daughter hasn't come home in months. Well, she's been, she went off to college off, and you never hear from her. No, I mean, she she got out of there. You know, yeah, probably comes home and smokes pot with the boy and leaves to wherever she goes. But uh, yeah. I haven't seen a grade card. No, no, no. Do that again. Uh, Colin, this just the headline alone, I think, is going to be up your alley here. Screaming cat lady is from Kansas. <laughs> sure. Sure she is. <laughs> well, you've seen the memes. You've laughed at a couple, possibly rolled your eyes at a few. What you may not know is the woman in the screaming meme next to a cat. And if you're not familiar, there's a blonde woman. She's pointing. Clearly from a reality show. She, I think it's like Real Housewives of something or other. And she's screaming. And the and the next image is like a cat with a sort of a pissed off face. Sitting at a dinner table, a human dinner table, <laughs> yeah. next to a salad. So, yeah, what it looks like is a woman screaming in an argument with a cat. Yes. Someone essentially has taken two pictures that do not exist together <laughs> and made them funny. I do like memes. I do, too. Wow. And this one is funny. I mean, it's so absurd. Oh, I've seen it used a hundred times, and it can be used ways. for everything. Yeah. We're going to make a barrier. Well, you know one. the yeah, we're going to have to after the show. And there, another one I really enjoy is the uh, the couple walking away, and there's a guy looking over his shoulder at the other chick, mm-hmm. and everybody just puts oh, yeah. the head of something else there. Like I saw one that was like uh, the guy is walking with Chick Fil A, and he's looking over his shoulder at Popeye's chicken sandwich. Sure, you know what I mean. So stuff like that. Yeah, they're, they're all great, and I love them every time. So anyway, getting back to the story here, the woman we're referring to in the screaming cat woman. She's from Kansas. Her name is Taylor Armstrong, and she's best known for her role in The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. There you go. So there you have it. But before she was made a celebrity on TV and with memes, she was a Kansan. Mm. According to her biography, she That don't wash off. (laughs) It doesn't. She's Kansan forever. Mm. Love it or hate it. And you're probably going to hate it. (laughs) Um, She has embraced her new stardom, and of course she has. She was on Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. She could be famous. She could be famous for wearing a hazmat suit in crazy neighborhoods, and she'd still be happy as long as it got her. Gal that could take a whole bowling pin in her butt backwards, and if that guy were famous, she'd take it. Yeah, something tells me that she's tried. (laughs) (laughs) I'll tell you, hasn't tried, Brennan. hmm. Debbie and Sherry or Jerry. Or Sharon and Jerry. I can't remember. It's I can't remember whatever casserole name we gave the mo- the woman. You know it's Debbie. Don't even All pretend right. you don't. All right. But, I mean, maybe we should give them a bowling pin as a Christmas <laughs> gift. I mean, spice it up Somebody in the bedroom. Should. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, anyway, Armstrong has embraced the new stardom after she stopped being in the limelight when she left the show. She often reposts memes on her own Twitter account. She's even gone so far as to starting a hashtag meme queen. Strange that she would try to draw attention to herself for this. <laughs> it doesn't seem like her. No, it doesn't. It doesn't sound like the does Taylor Armstrong does I know. Not fit, no. <laughs> Speaking of Kansas news, I guess I'd be remiss if I didn't uh, dig up the old score. Kansas played Oklahoma State over the weekend, and you want to take a stab at how that turned out, Colin? Kansas 7, Oklahoma State 794. Well, it's very close. Oklahoma State only put up 31 this time, and Kansas manages 13. And they lost. Oklahoma State's ranked 22 in the country. I imagine this won't help them move up too much because it's an expected loss because Kansas is fucking terrible. Mm -hmm. And we can always take solace in that when we're fucking terrible that Kansas is going to be worse. How's Mizzou basketball looking? I haven't paid a lick of attention. Well, I did watch all that Xavier game and mm-hmm. uh, kind of up and down. I mean, they did. They competed on the road to a ranked opponent, mm-hmm. being Xavier, and played well. They played into overtime. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, this is late news. I mean, this was last week. Well, they're I'm just asking tonight. a question because apropos of nothing. I mean, I just I know they're up. I know they're playing now. I really haven't paid any attention until the conference schedule starts. I'm usually checked out and football's ended, you know. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I'm just curious: Are they gonna be any good? I mean, I. <sighs> I have more hope than the SEC media does. Let's sure. put it that way. Okay. I mean, this team does look like they gel a little bit. Tillman got into foul trouble early against Xavier. Shocking. He's the same raw kid he was when he was a freshman. I mean, we're going to have to talk about basketball because football's given up. Mm. We're going to go, go rock him nation mm. on you guys. 
Yeah, I mean, we usually kind of give Rocket Nation a little grief for starting. I mean, as soon as you put away the Halloween candy, yeah, like they're it's on time to, to basketball. Talk basketball, the football team, <laughs> doesn't they forget it. Doesn't matter how good or bad we are. We could be nine and one. Yeah. By God, they're going to talk hoops. But uh, they deserve to. This year. this is the year yeah, we should yeah. be doing that. I'm hopeful they're playing tonight. If they can, if they can string together a good yeah. See, this is non-con schedule. The Chiefs are on, so I mean, I'm not going to watch that. I just can't help that. Yeah, that's a good point. Why don't we just move on to the awards segment because I actually have a douche of the week, and oh, I don't even think it's a candidate. Sometimes we it have to is. think about this a little mm. bit, but uh, yeah, too much. Douche of the week. Obviously, it's not just the douche of the week. It's the TJ Mo douche of the week. Who he, he's earned it over and over and over again. Yeah. So is this gentleman. I don't know if you saw Colin, a Kansas player during that Oklahoma State uh, game we were just talking about. His name's Gavin Potter. An Oklahoma State player was on the ground, and I'm just gonna. This is not good pod, but I'm showing Colin a little video. Oh, I did see this. Yeah, the guy just like uses him as a step stool. Yeah, and but purposefully steps on a player's head. Kind of reminiscent of the uh, yeah. football game, the NFL game. I wish I hadn't seen this video because I was about to say, I was like, his name's Gavin. Yeah. I'll bet you $100 he's a white kid. <laughs> and he is. Shocking. I've never met a black kid named Gavin. Only white kids. That's anecdotal, but it's in, in my world, that's true. Yeah. It's- You're never going to meet a black guy named Keith either. <laughs> you know, no Gavins, no Keiths. There you have it. Yeah. It's all true. So, uh, yeah, if you haven't seen it, go ahead and look up Gavin Potter, Kansas head stomp, curb mm-hmm. stomp. Yeah. You'll find it. And then it was, what's the name of the guy who did took the helmet and used it as a blunt Miles instrument? Miles Garrett. <laughs> yeah. Very reminiscent. So yeah. in, in the same weekend, you have an NFL player using a helmet as a weapon and a college player stepping on a guy's head. Yeah. He, real Albert Hainsworth move there. I'm going to give him douche of the week. Yep. All right, then that gets us to the Player of the Game Award. Well, do we have to give one of these? Well, I mean, I think we're just going to do what we've been doing. It used to be Fatoni, and thank God we don't have to use the punter anymore. <laughs> That's true. This is an improvement, because if you're going to say the name, I think you're going to say it is an improvement to say this person over a punter. Yeah, so I'm going to say it again, Nick Bolton. Nick Bolton every day of the week, twice on he, Sunday. He uh, nearly had a pick six. He played great. He um, had a million tackles, and he's the only legitimate fucking linebacker we've got right now but it is the state of the program that we're awarding it to a guy who didn't make a play but almost did yeah so uh nick bolton it's not worth much but you're our player of the game and that oh obviously i didn't even say it it's kirk farmer's hair player of the game yeah i mean brennan you left out he i mean you talk about burying the lead <laughs> would you take kirk farmer as your quarterback right now at this point in our season just for the hair alone. Yeah. Well, you know, the best case scenario for Kirk Farmer on the team right now, Brennan's backup quarterback. Because then he's yeah. on the sidelines, helmet off the entire time, hair immaculately blowing in the wind. Yeah, you better hope it's a windy day. God, I'm getting too messy thinking about it. Let's move on. All right, let's close the show up. Caleb, we miss you. We'll be back for the midweek show. Also, I want to say we did meet up with our uh, good friend Andrew Snively, Airman Snively yes. from Utah uh, over the weekend. We got him to Columbia for the Florida game, sadly. Sorry about that. Yeah. Uh, but I think he had a good time. He got uh, the money we raised that you guys uh, donated. He was able to fly in. He said he even used some of the money to take his dad out for uh, ribs for his dad's birthday. Oh, very nice. Good story. He gave us some very cool challenge coins from the Air Force. And uh, we'll interview him in the midweek show so you guys can hear about his experience. Thanks to you. And Veterans United. And Veterans United. Yeah, we'd be remiss if we didn't bring that up. They provided the football tickets and also provided football tickets for thousands of veterans at that game. It was a big crowd and in no small part thanks to Veterans United. So thanks for coming, Airman Snidely. Cool guy. Glad to meet you. Uh, We'll hear from you this week. Anyway, M-I-Z. Z-O-U. It's a big, smelly, cornfield shit sandwich.